Hey, what's up? It's Shane with Dynamis Media, and I'm joined here with Stefan. That's me. And if you haven't guessed it, this is drum roll. Go ahead and introduce it. I'm doing doing the drum roll. Oh, uh, you're gonna add an actual drum roll? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is our Silent, Silent Sunday, Sunday Spectacular Special. special. <laughs> <laughs> We're just nailing it with the alliterations. I love so, alliteration. It's the only thing yeah. I can do. That's it. It's what you live for. I truly do. It's probably because like my, I never thought about it, but uh, my, f- my first and last name are both start with S. So I'm always like it subconsciously. I just gravitate towards uh, alliteration. It's, it's part of my being now. It's part of your character. It's my identity. Yeah. <laughs> it's my identity. Yeah. I think, um, so I, I maybe we'll just kick it off with uh, thanking everyone. So, uh, Obviously, as a horror podcast, this is like our season, right? So we did our Sam Hines season, Devilish Duology. Samhain season. There you go. Okay, there you go. Every <laughs> Just time. checking. Yeah, to make sure I'm awake. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it's been great. We had a blast doing it. I can't wait to do it next year. And I really appreciate everybody um, supporting us and kind of, you know, commenting giving us feedback uh sharing the show with their friends um we actually did get our facebook page up and running so you can find us at facebook.com uh slash the dark side driving very simple um it's a public page to find so yeah 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 (laughs) and it's run by both stefan and myself so this isn't like uh you have to tweet at one of us or the other one so um i recommend joining or following um, we're going to be posting a lot of stuff there and, uh, we're going to start doing polls like for movies that people want us to do. Um, and just fun stuff to, to get the kind of like help us interact with, with you all. But, um, yeah, but it, I can't say enough how, how, um, grateful we both are for the support that we've received. Um, and even we, and, and honestly, we did receive some negative feedback too. Um, so we, uh, took that to heart and are thinking about it <laughs> so but uh but yeah so i didn't know if you had anything else like uh i think this is, this is a good episode too because we have a lot of new listeners and um you know i think we don't always maybe explain what we're doing all the time i, I mean i'm sure it's pretty self-explanatory but um so stefan and myself if you didn't listen to the stuff episode uh we've been friends for for i mean for forever pretty much now at this point right it's been a long time um, and we, uh, both love like horror movies, eighties, horror movies, schlocky horror movies, whatever you want to call them. And, uh, most of this for us, when we were roommates turned into us just watching mystery science theater <laughs> and, oh, yeah. just, and, or riff, and just those riff tracks ones that they had. Yeah. The riff tracks and just having a blast. So we thought, Hey, it would be fun if we just kind of messed around and did this. And, um, we're, we're having a blast doing this and I hope everybody else is enjoying themselves too. So. So thank you. Definitely not as well as those properties do it, but we're doing our own oh, thing yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's kind of like we do have our rating categories. Like we judge them based off of a handful of categories. And we have our D roll or really slap on one extra like ranking for these things. But at the end of the day, like we aren't like film critics. We're just here having fun <laughs> talking about these movies. And a lot of people like I have wondered like, hey, but what is it that is the cutoff? Like what makes you decide? you know, if it's going to be in the seventies or if it's going to be in the nineties or like, why is it so centralized on like the eighties? And there's two reasons for that. One is like, 
that was like the peak era of like VHS, like, uh, you know, go to the movie rental store and just grab something based off the box art that you see, you know, at like whatever your local movie rental place was. Um, and additionally, just uh, it's the practical effects element, really, that is is kind of what unites this thing is that by the late 70s, like special effects are good enough that, you know, you could tell that a lot of like love went into it. And in the 80s and then the early 90s is kind of where, you know, you see practical effects really hit their stride until, of course, now when everything's so damn CGI, it looks terrible. Like it always looks so bad. And I do not like and there's some filmmakers that are out there still doing practical effects to this day. And like the difference is just so clear. So that's kind of like the uniting factor of all of these things tends to be the special effects work. And what's crazy about if you go back and watch movies from like the late 90s, early 2000s that started using CGI, they do not hold up well. Um, I I don't know if we're just so used to like because. Look, to be fair, like let's look at the you know Marvel Avengers, right? I would say that's probably some of the best CGI you can see right now. Um, some of the stuff they do with the Star Wars franchise is great. They still they kind of mix of like practical and CGI, but um, I think that if you go back and look at stuff from kind of like again like the nine even the eighties, uh, none of that CGI stuff holds up. So. In 20 years, we're probably going to look back at some of the things that we think now are like fantastic and are going to be terrible. So uh, practical effects for the win. They always hold up. I can't think of a time that if it was good in 1984, that's not good now. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Even those even the movies that we maybe weren't as kind to, like, say, the Supernaturals. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but even those those moments of effects, like even the effect, it's like, hey, it's the zombie looked cool. You know, some of those things. So it's like even the even the lower points of like films at this time, at least you can usually count on a good effect shot or two to kind of salvage it and get you through it. Right. Um, which, again, I probably shouldn't bring up Supernaturals because we do now know that you have the you have the copy of it that is actually uh, decent looking and we need to make reappraise that one. But the version that was out for streaming was absolute garbage. Yeah, for sure. And that, but that's a fidelity issue. It's not a, uh, filmmaking problem. You know yeah, what I mean? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's only become more a problem is like streaming rights get more yep. muddied and, and yeah. So, and some things are just impossible to find streaming, despite the fact that like they're owned by companies that exist and still even have their own streaming platforms. Like, um, I was actually just thinking about it today is, uh, I was looking on Amazon trying to decide if I wanted to buy a box set of uh, Tales from the Crypt because despite it being an HBO show and HBO literally having their own streaming service basically in Max, I mean, it's now it's kind of all mixed up with like the Warner Discovery stuff. But right. the fact that it's not available for streaming there because of rights issues over the years is just madness to me. It's wild. And that's what same with like uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the series. Like I bought it on DVD because I just couldn't find it streaming. So I'm feel I feel like that's going to be happening a lot more often, especially like uh, we find a lot of these movies on Tubi and different uh, streaming services that are kind of, you know, free and have like huge libraries. But even they lose stuff re- relatively quickly. Um, the other night I just watched uh, John Carpenter's The Fog because it's going to be leaving Tubi at the end of the month. Now, sometimes things just come back to Tubi. But like right. you can't count on that. You never know because like rights are always changing hands and switching up and the fog could pop up somewhere else or maybe it will just be gone for a while and you just have to wait till it 
makes its round again, you know? Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a great point too. Uh, because with the strike that just happened, I think we're not through AI. We're not through the streaming rights. We're not through any of this stuff. So, you know, our ability to watch these titles is probably going to be drastically different in the next like three to five years. So I'm just enjoying the ride right now with Tubi. I still don't understand how they're able to get all this stuff and it's fantastic. If you don't have a Tubi account, please go get one. They are ad supported. So even if you watch other movies on there, you can like, you can watch. So all you Yinzers, you can watch, Yins can watch channel four, channel two, channel 11. So, uh, you know, you can watch your news on there. So, you know, if you get up at four in the morning and smoke 12 packs of cigarettes and drink, you know, five cups of coffee, you can put on Tubi instead of having to pay for cable. So Yeah. Well, and, and Tubi has like shout a lot out of to my users. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Tubi has like a bunch of channels too, of different things. Like they have like shout factory TV, which has a lot of MST three K stuff. Um, yeah. they have, uh, uh, Full Moon Features, which is Charles Band's, like, uh, you know, Puppet Master, the guy behind Puppet Master and all that. Uh, he has a channel that's on Tubi. So, like, it, it makes it really easy to kind of curate some of these other things that might have their own, like, Mystery Science Theater and, like, Full Moon Features have their own services. But, like, if you don't want to pay for another one, they usually have a decent sampling of their libraries available on Tubi. And it's just ad-supported. So, it, it makes a little more sense than going out of your way to pay for another service if you know, you're like me and you just have so many services right now. It's almost ridiculous. For sure. So th we're coming up on our 15th episode and I wanted to do at some point, do kind of like a mailbag or like a listener write in stuff. I've collected a couple questions that we've received common ones that I've been asked a couple times and some that, that you've even brought up that other people have asked. So Probably the one thing that I get asked a lot is, are you guys going to do like riff tracks or MS, you know, MST 3K, um, like overdubbing movies? Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's something that people are interested in. Let us know. But the amount of work that those guys put into that show is unbelievable. Um, so maybe if it's like a one off, we would do one. But I, you know, Seth and I both uh, are full-time jobs. Um, <laughs> as much as we would love to do that, I'm sure. I don't. I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I think it would be awesome. But um, you know, those guys watch those movies six, seven, eight times and film different uh, segments, and they try out different bits, and then they kind of mash it all together. So it, it is definitely an art form. And they have um, teams of writers. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just two of us. Neither of us are like professional comedians or like comedy writers or anything. So, right. um, but yeah, maybe like, I think that it, that would be more of a one-off kind of test in the waters, give it a shot kind of thing. I, I, I imagine it'll be like a very poor man's version of those professional things, but you know, if like uh, a lot of our listeners are just like friends of ours, I'm sure they might enjoy it. <laughs> so maybe that. Yeah, for sure. And then um, the other, the other question I get a lot is what's going on with the merch. We're working on it. I promise. Um, if you know us, reach out to us. Uh, we'll give you some updates. But basically, we're designing the shirts right now. So we have our basic shirt, which is just our logo on a black shirt. Super creative. And then uh, we had a couple other ideas that we wanted to play around with. The problem is I'm not very artistic. 
uh, I can do so much. So I'm not trying to borrow images from other people. So we're trying to do this all ourselves. Um, so we're working with some people that can actually draw or create designs. So if anyone listening, if you're into that or want to try that, reach out to us. Um, we'd be happy to, to talk to you about some stuff. Um, especially if you have a cool t-shirt design or something like that, let us know. Um, kind of the problem the other... with that is it's uncomfortable asking people who are creative like that to help us out because we're not making money on this. So it's not like we yeah, can really true. do much to compensate somebody. Like, true, I guess if yeah. we do sell them, we could always like give a cut of whatever we get, but I can't imagine right. our margins are going to be too good on us. Yeah. It's like, we're not like retiring next year because of these t-shirts. <laughs> no. And I'm certainly yes. not going to ask like creative people to just do it just to help us out. Like that's correct. That seems, correct. Now, if it's offered, that's yeah. a different thing, but I'm not going to go and reach out and ask people to do that for us. That's just, uh, not cool. Cause I feel like, especially yeah. a lot of times, uh, creative types, uh, tend to, um, get used like that by people who are like, Oh, but you're just helping me out. Can't you just help me out for this time? And it's like, but this is you, their thing. Like, this is how, like, it's a, it's a investment of time and effort. And that is, that is the currency of, of the creative trade. So. Yeah, for sure. So if we were to sell these on a store, like if you did design a shirt for us, you would obviously be compensated for said design. So don't think like we would just take your design and run with it. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess the last one, and this is more of uh, a question that was posed to you was the live show. Um, I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but, uh, that was pretty interesting. So I don't know. I don't know if you want to talk about it or maybe we just keep everyone waiting. We'll try to kind of tease stuff as we go forward. Yeah, um, I don't think that's a fully baked plan yet, but it was okay. brought up by a friend of the show um, as an idea, something to kick around. Uh, it would be a, a collaborative effort. It wouldn't just be purely our effort. Um, yep. So I'm definitely open to that idea, but at the same time, there's other folks involved, and I don't want to over-promise or overly tease something that may not come into fruition. It's just right now it's and like I can, I can cut this out too if we it, don't want to talk about it. I mean, it's fine to, to just say that, hey, maybe that'll yeah. be a thing. Like, you know, the the important thing is that, number one, we're having fun and we like doing this and we're having a good time. And number two is that people are enjoying it with us. As long as people keep listening and, and people keep showing an interest in this, I don't see why we have to limit ourselves to just like our every two week episode drops. Um, yep. You know, assuming uh, someone gets it out in time. <laughs> oh, man, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I, so I should, yeah, I'll, I should apologize. I should have been when I first started. So we have a set schedule and we're usually pretty good about it. Um, we even recorded early this time <laughs> and this was the cursed recording because I, I had Adobe crash on me at least, at least three times and had to restart. And then I had to travel for work. So I got everything ready and I threw it on our Google drive. And when I got to my destination, I was unable to download it. So I thought it was an internet issue. Uh, turns out the file was corrupted. I had to revert. Thank God Audacity keeps uh, like recoveries of files. So I didn't lose all of my work. I lost about probably 40% of it. So I was able to kind of bang it out in an afternoon. So, um, but yeah. I reinstalled Audacity, so hopefully that fixes the issue. But for any of you that edit audio, 
you understand the pain that is <laughs> losing an hour, two and a half hours worth of work. So, uh, yeah, yeah, especially since uh, some of our episodes lately have been chunky. So that was probably a, that was a lot of effort you had to put into that. But. Yeah. So like roll of thumb, typically, like if an episode is like an hour, you're going to do around an hour to two hours worth of editing minimum. Um, so like our three hour episodes usually take like anywhere from five to seven hours. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you had to cut out all the things that would get me canceled. Yeah. So all to, the, all the, all the racist stuff you say. Yeah. Yep. And sexist. And sexist. Yeah. Yes. I to slice, <laughs> slice down all of my content that's too hot for TV. I think we only have, <laughs> I think we've only done that, what, three times? And all three times were something I said, correct? <laughs> and I'll own it. I don't want to blow up your spot, but yeah, there's yeah. been a couple of times where, yeah, I tend to think, I think I'm a little overly sensitive about things. So I'm usually really dancing around the, the lines and you are just going to say what you want to say. And then it's like, maybe that wasn't, maybe that wasn't quite the way, like, it's not like you're ever doing anything like mean-spirited it's usually just oh, like no, no, yeah. just like kind of like one of those like huh maybe that is gonna go that is not gonna be taken the way that i wanted it to be taken yeah it was uh nothing racist or anything like that but it was just <laughs> an off-colored joke or two that at the expense of people that are probably don't need jokes told about them at this moment in their life so we've uh kind of decided as a team that hey maybe we uh Maybe we just uh, cut that back a little bit, but <laughs> eh, nothing, nothing too crazy. So uh, if you haven't guessed it or aren't from Pittsburgh, um, we have a theater, a local theater in Lawrenceville called the Row House, and they hosted a silent Sunday. So I I have to start this off with, you you told me about this. and About I, the silent Sunday thing? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. About the silent Sunday. And I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. And then... I had something come up and I'm like, ah, I probably can't go. So I didn't even mention it to you. And you're you, I was like, you're still going to go. So then uh, something came up, I think. Um, yeah. So my wife and her uh, siblings and their cousins all watch Practical Magic every year. And they're like, hey, on Saturday, we're going to go watch Practical Magic. And I'm like, I am going to Silent Sunday with Stefan. <laughs> so, uh, or yeah, Sunday, not Saturday. So um yeah, I, I last minute kind of called. He was like, hey, are you still going to this? And um, so you were gracious enough to include me in your uh, Silent Sunday plan, so I appreciate it. You know, I did was um, tell you what seat I reserved for all of the shows. Yeah. And then yeah. you actually caught that I had forgotten to do one for Nosferatu, which would have been yeah, a disaster. Yeah, favorite one. Dude, <laughs> yeah, if, if I'd missed that. I just had to yeah. come home and watch it on Blu-ray since I have it on Blu-ray here. But no, it's not the same as in the theater. Um, yeah, so, so I like I like silent films. It's like one of the more like um, uh, pretentious things about me <laughs> is that I really <laughs> enjoy uh, silent films. So that uh, Row House does that uh, every year. At least they have been the last few years. Um, I always try to make it a point to at least go to a few of them. 
Okay, so yeah, the, then uh, the full uh, the full roster of films that they had shown uh, was He Who Gets Slapped, uh, The Hands of Orlock, uh, Haxon, Witchcraft Through the Ages, um, uh, The Phantom of the Opera, Nosferatu, and then uh, Vampire was, I believe, the last one. Um, so did you have a favorite? I, I had a favorite, but... Oh yeah, I mean I I mean let's be real, Nosferatu is one of my favorite movies of all time. I see it anytime there's a screening available, uh I will go and out of my way to see Nosferatu. I actually had it there was another showing uh that was happening at I think it was at the Harris Theater. Um there was a showing on that Friday. But since we were already going to Silent Sunday on like that Sunday that no it was the twenty second, um I didn't need to see it that close in succession. But yeah, Nosferatu is like one of my favorite movies. I, I see it every opportunity I get definitely once a year in theaters, usually at row house, but sometimes it's in other places. Yeah. I really liked, um, Nosferatu. Uh, I had seen it a long time ago, but we, um, just kind of jumping into it, I guess. So I, I had made the comment to you. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, wasn't there a scene where the, where he like climbed around the door with his hands and you'd quickly corrected me that that's just like, like that's like pop culture now, but that actually wasn't in the movie. So what was that from again? Uh, what, when he goes with his hands and moves around it, yeah, wasn't it in scene. a, wasn't that in a uh, kid's movie back in the day? Yeah. I'm trying to think which one it was. And, and it, I, I don't know why I just kind of associated those two things together, but you ever watch the movie? I'm like, Hey, isn't this a scene where he's supposed to like put his hands on the door and kind of like slowly move around it? Um, definitely didn't happen though, but. Yeah, good let me, old, good old let me memory. see if I can figure out which one it is, because I, I do remember that. Because I always think, actually, I often think that it's Last Action Hero, but that's actually Death from uh, the Seventh Seal, who comes out of the movie in that, right? You're correct. <laughs> You're correct. Man, what a pull, Last Action Hero. Hell yeah, that's one of the best movies yeah. ever made. I love that movie. I actually do. Yeah, I actually think it's yeah, under, yeah. underrated. Um, but we're not here to talk about Last Action Hero. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> um, this time we actually were planning on. So, yeah, we only got to three of them, um, but we were planning on going to the one before that. But I got the time wrong. <laughs> so so I botched that one. We're supposed to go to the the hands of Orlock first because uh, I was super interested in that. It's directed by uh, uh, Robert Wine, uh, director of uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It's probably like one of the more famous uh, German expressionist uh, films. Um, so yeah, like that one we were supposed to go to and then yeah, I got the time wrong, so it didn't make it. Um and then that we ended up getting to the first one which uh we saw which was uh Haxon. Which by the way, so I didn't have a lot of expectations. So I've seen silent films before. And I've seen silent horror films. And I expected grainy, very hard to kind of tell what's going on. Um, I knew there would be music and, and writing and stuff. I was absolutely blown away by the fidelity of the what we what we saw, right? So the version that they premiered, you said I think you said it was Blu-ray. It looked like it was filmed last year. I mean, it was so crisp. Like the you could see and I know it sounds stupid, but like even like uh the actors and actresses, they had a lot of older uh, people playing roles 
and you could even like see the wrinkles in their face, like when, even when they like zoomed in um, and did close-ups. I mean, it was absolutely crazy the amount of detail that they were able to present. I I was completely blown away. Um, and Haxon was pretty cool. I I thought the premise is interesting. I don't know if you want to give like a quick like elevator pitch of what Haxon is. Yeah, sure. Uh, basically, it's the uh, director's project. It's essentially like in the form of like a uh, documentary sort of thing, but also with like uh, certain narrative elements to kind of dramatize certain events and things like that. Um, so you have like a mixture of like basically instances where, you know, there might be a close up of a book and then like the director just has like a uh, like a pointer stick and is pointing things out and everything like that. Uh, but then there's also like dramatizations of, you know, like inquisition things. And then when like somebody's talking to the inquisition and like they basically uh, are being coerced into confessing. So they start confessing about the stuff. And then that's when it really goes crazy because then you actually see like these like um, uh, witches, Sabbaths and stuff like that, where like all of the witches are running around and like uh, what kissing Satan's butt. Like that was a big yeah. part of the one of them. And like a, a lot of like the demon makeup and stuff like that. It's actually wild how, uh, how much work had gone into like making them like creating those demons and then creating those effects shots, especially considering that this was, um, let me see, I think it was 1922. Yeah. So this is like, we're looking at a hundred years ago here. Um, but yeah, like what you were saying about the fidelity too. Um, a lot of these films, it's like unfortunate because there's a lot of films from the silent era that are just gone forever because of, you know, not that they're not being kept up for um, being destroyed, uh, like accidents, fires, because, you know, film is very easy to burn. Uh, so we probably have lost way more films from the silent era than we'll ever have. But things like this that have a, a really good reputation tend to be lovingly restored by like film historians and and, and sometimes championed by, uh, you know, directors, modern, modern directors and stuff like that who have like good experiences with them um like good memories of them sort of like how on like the you know on the book side of things like hp uh, lovecraft was kind of like an obscure writer at the time of his death but because of his influence on other writers um he kind of had a second life in more recent years uh similar things can happen with films like these that uh you know have a reputation and, and manage to survive um despite best efforts in some cases especially like uh, Nosferatu, which was uh, supposed to have been destroyed because they were sued by Dracula's uh, Bram Stoker's uh, estate by his widow. Um, so that was actually supposed to be entirely destroyed, but it survived. Yeah. And, um, I, and the, the burning too, not, not from people burning them, like even from use, the heat can actually melt the film. Um, so don't they soak them in something too, that was flammable? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what that is, but yeah, there's like a lot of times the way that they treat the film stock would result in them being way more likely to burst into flames. Um, and I guess I didn't mention hacks in this film that we were talking about. That's like the it's basically this uh, inspired by the director's interest in studying uh, the Malleus Maleficarum, the uh, old witch hammer book, uh, you know, from like the old Inquisition days. Um, so he wanted to do like a visual representation of that. Um, the director is uh, Benjamin Chris, uh, Chris Christensen. Um, yeah, and uh, the interesting thing, though, is the, probably the only part of it that was kind of like, oof, ooh, buddy, what are, you, what are you up to? 
was he tried to explain away that like a lot of the hysteria surrounding uh you know uh accusations of witchcraft and stuff like that usually uh tried to make a link to like uh mental health issues but because this is like you know still early in the understanding of psychological issues so yeah he kept calling it women's hysteria and it's like oh no <laughs> like it's not quite that like there are there are uh uh and then like a lot of it was like about uh some uh somnambulism like sleepwalking yeah yeah so it's like i understand he's trying to explain that like in the modern world we don't believe in such things as uh witchcraft and all that so um i think that his his argument kind of fell apart at the end just because of the state of psychological study at that time <laughs> But the important thing is he was trying to make the point that there's like witchcraft was, you know, that's nonsense. It's not a real thing. So I was going to say what's sad is that was progressive at that point. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Haxon, awesome movie. I, I loved it. And I think I said that if with after describing each of these, I wanted to say, like, would I recommend this to, you know, to a modern audience, like especially uh, a lot of people aren't going to do this like aren't going to be like film buffs who want to sit in on this kind of thing it is a little long uh it is i think it's a 105 minutes um it, but it's broken up it broken up into two parts so if you find it and you want to just watch maybe the, especially the first part up until it gets to the witch's sabbath that would probably be the best time there's actually like such a funny scene there where uh the one woman is talking about all of the things that uh, she was doing on like the witch's Sabbath. And then like, they just cut to like those three inquisitor priests. Yeah. In there. <laughs> and it's like, it's like unexpectedly very funny. Um, and I should have probably <laughs> looked up to see where these were streaming. If, if they are streaming anywhere. So, give me a so second. some of these are on Tubi. Vampire is on HBO. Um, I don't think you can get, um, he, uh, he was it he who gets slapped. Yeah, I couldn't find that one anywhere. So um, that's that's just, you know, maybe YouTube, I guess. Um, yeah, the Hands of but, Orlock is on uh, Tubi for sure. Yep. And yeah, then I think and having Phantom just of the Opera. Yeah, having know. just talked about Haxon, it's on uh, Tubi, the Criterion Channel, Max. Um, and then it says Amazon Prime, but I always feel like that's probably one you have to like pay for. So yeah, you probably have to rent it. Yeah, but it is definitely available. So if it says it's on Tubi, then it it must be. Um, where and then where'd you say you saw Phantom of the Opera? I'm pretty sure it's on Tubi. Let me check. Yeah, not the one with Gerard Butler. No, thank you. Yeah, no, there's too much talking in that one. I need it to be silent. Yeah, yeah, it says it's on Tubi, Roku channel, yep. um, Pluto TV. So, yeah, it's it's on a Plex, so it's on a handful of different, um, which isn't surprising. A lot of these older movies are, um, you know, public domain at this point. Um, but that again, I I don't understand like fully how rights work with these the sorts of things. So they still tend to be hard to find sometimes. Uh, and Nosferatu says the same thing. It's a uh, Tubi, Roku channel, uh, shout factory, Pluto TV Plex. So plenty of options for, for, for Nosferatu. Um, but yeah, so like the second one we watched then, because we sat through those three was fan of the opera, um, which was my favorite. Was it then? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was so good. <laughs> I couldn't believe how good it was, honestly. I mean, it is, it is, uh, you know, the, um, the talent on screen for that one is crazy. Cause you have like, uh, Lon Chaney, uh, playing the phantom. Um, what is it? Uh, Mary Philbin, I believe is Christine in that. So Mary Philbin is a pretty famous, 
uh, actress from the silent era from the, uh, the studio system specifically. Um, but man, that actor who played Raul, ugh, what was that yeah. about? <laughs> I don't know. He seemed creepier than the Phantom. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, I I like this version of the Phantom a little better. So he's not like a lovesick, um, you know, scorned performer. So he's like actually like an escape maniac that's like trying to like murder people. Um, and <laughs> he is and an for, escape maniac trying to murder people. Yeah, and for being from the twenties, I think it was the twenties, right? Yeah, uh, twenty five, I believe. Yeah, twenty five. Yeah it actually had a pretty good jump scare. Like the first time that they take off the mask um, and you see Lon Chaney in full, like, you know, full regalia, full uh, makeup, full whatever. Um, I mean, it's like shocking. I mean, it, it not that you jump or anything, be like, Oh, like, holy shit. Um, and again, with, with the ability for them to present this in a, in a upscaled remastered version, the they even had some scenes in color. Yes, that was a thing that they could do crazy. in yeah in old films like that. They just they had to uh, put a tint on uh, the yeah. on it like frame by frame. So it was like use very sparingly. Probably one of the more famous examples of that is um, Battleship Potemkin, uh, Sergei Eisenstein's. Uh, there's like a red flag, I believe, that flies at the end of that to kind of certify uh to this show about like the triumph of communism and whatnot um but yeah like it was what in this it was um during the um what is it the masquerade scene when the phantom showed up is the mask of red of red death or whatever yes yeah, like his yep. his full red outfit yeah that was that was very well done actually you're right um yeah and i think the real hero of this movie is the music the and i know that sounds stupid because there's, i mean there's that's all the sound you get but you know, like in Haxon, it was very like, it was more of like, um, like, uh, setting the mood, right. It was more background kind of music. Like there would be kind of how they used to write like overtures and stuff where, it, um, like you would go to a ballet or go to like a, um, an opera. Um, but this one specifically, the music kind of overtook a lot of the scenes that I think would, would be kind of boring. But then when you add in the organ, you add in all the, um, the intense, uh, woodwinds, the intense, um, instruments, I think was, I honestly, I was blown away and I was, te- I've made fun of this one the most. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, we're going to get kicked out. Cause we're just going to sing the fan of the opera theme. But <laughs> I was hooked. I was hooked from like the first five minutes. The, so. yeah, the, uh, I believe that there was a 1929 reissue that Universal did of this with a new accompanying soundtrack, which included like sound effects as well, which is the kind of thing that would have been performed alongside a screening of this. Um, And I think that a lot of those, assuming that it is the same, uh, the same series of track uh, that they would have used for that, maybe an updated version of it. uh, It definitely really held together for this, for that movie a lot better than in say Haxon, where a lot of those were just like uh, what you're saying, like, known orchestral scores they they weren't for the movie they were just accompanying right. it uh as opposed to this where it seemed like it was is really there for the movie especially the scene that you were talking about where he's like playing the organ in his yeah. in his lair and all that but i never really understood so like in both like both versions and other versions of this uh that whenever she takes off his mask and sees how messed up his face is it, like it's like now you can never leave it's like, why though? Like we, we know your face is messed up cause you're wearing a mask all the time, man. Like, why are you so sensitive about it? 
But um, but yeah, so he was like very sensitive about it in this one too. I never really kind of got that toxic masculinity. Am I right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that that old women hysteria. And uh, and then one character that I don't think we ever brought up uh, is that Ledoux guy, like the secret yeah. police guy. <laughs> He was like walking around with the fez the entire time and he was so creepy. I'm like, is he like the phantom in disguise or something? It's like, nope, he's just he's just some creep out there he hunting. Got killed the pretty phantom. quick. What was that? Th- doesn't he die in the lair? No, no. Uh, 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 Philippe dies there. The uh, Philippe, you're Raoul's right. You're brother. Right, you're right. No, yes, it was right. uh, uh, Ledoux and, and right. Raoul were actually trapped yep. in, a, in that yes. trap and they managed to survive. Yep. So, yeah, no, it, yeah, Philippe gets ganked rather swiftly by the Phantom. Yeah, so, yeah, so the Phantom takes a, a uh, bamboo, like, shoot straight up Looney Tunes into the water. And keeps the sh- he keeps snorkels the, over there. Snorkels over and, like, just murks this guy out of a, uh, I think it was a gondola. Like a little gondola in the, like, the yeah. sewers. <laughs> so cool. Just like uh, Jason Voorhees just grabs him right out of the Yeah, just the pulls him out of the boat and then just, like, yeah. Then he snorkels back, doesn't he? And like, why did you? Yeah. He's dead. Like, you, there's no one else got here. Out. Yeah, he yeah. just left. That's like super funny. But yeah, but he, he does do that. He because there's like a couple canes on the wall. I'm like, what is he doing? And he grabs it. I'm like, I thought it was like a blowgun or something. Like he was gonna poison dart him or something. And then he starts going to the water. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, is he really gonna do this? And straight <laughs> up, just fucking Bugs Bunny right into the water. He does Great. snorkels right over there. <laughs> yeah and then he yeah offs philippe and gets gets rid of him but yeah that was the like the whole thing with like ledoux i was like is he like a double agent like what's he up to he's like nah he's just creepy it's fine so yeah so yeah i guess i i probably like fan of the opera more talking about it now than i think i did at the time because it felt like it was so long to me but maybe it wasn't even that long let me see how long the, the runtime is on that one Phantom was pretty, it was pretty long. Uh, I think the longest one, though, was Nosferatu, right? Uh, I don't know. Phantom said it was 107 minutes. Um, I don't know. Nosferatu doesn't feel that long to me, but... I think it was like 115 or something. Nosferatu is pretty long. Yeah, let me check. Uh, it says that 63 to 94 minutes. I'm pretty sure that the most versions are like 70-some. But it depends on actually the speed of the reels in that one because like they can play it at different speeds yeah, and actually my Haxon. my uh my nosferatu uh so i have a, a restored blu-ray version of it which looks amazing but the f- first uh dvd copy that i had of nosferatu which is like i bought like a third party version of it because it's so old um that there's it just is in the public domain anyone can produce a version of it and it was bad like it was like a bad transfer so um I'm glad that it seemed like they used the same uh, transfer for this as they used for that special edition Blu-ray. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised it wasn't the exact same Blu-ray that I have. Um, but as you can tell, I'm trying to, uh, I'm starting oh, yeah. to starting go to it. go to Nosferatu. But I actually do want to say for Phantom of the Opera, uh, recommend, right? Like that's oh, that's one that 100%. holds up really well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that audiences might, like I said, it might get a little slow in the middle. And stuff like that. And especially since like the musical is so big, it's like uh, we already kind of know this story. But like what you were saying, it's like um, it's it's played so differently in this, like the because they don't have to like fit in all these musical numbers and like the the Phantom is in love with Christine, but it isn't like it's not reciprocated. No, but it, and it doesn't really seem like um, uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's as 
it's his only character motivation. It seems like he's got a lot of other stuff going on. Um, you know, so yeah, definitely recommend uh fan of the opera. Um, yeah. So Nosferatu, the, you know, FW Murnau film starring Max Shrek, um, who is amazing. Uh, that one's a, a 1922 one. Um, the only reason I knew for sure the year for that is I actually went to a hundredth anniversary screening at the Harris theater <laughs> last year for Nosferatu. <laughs> I was so excited. I wore a Nosferatu t-shirt to it and everything. That's amazing. Yeah, I actually got it. There's like a, a signed uh, by um, the uh, the pianist who like he wrote his own uh, score to it. Um, I actually have a signed copy of the uh, like the little poster that they had for that. Uh, it's on my wall here above my home office. So I can always look up and see Nosferatu there. Um, yeah, elevator pitch for this is basically just uh, it's Dracula. Yeah, it's like literally an un, unauthorized adaptation of Dracula. I say legally, we can't say Dracula, except they do. They do say they Dracula, do. In it, but yeah, a couple times. Yeah, and that's why it was like almost completely destroyed because of like uh, Bram Stoker's widow just suing the pants off them. They they changed some things, like it uh, no longer as uh, the count moving to um, moving to London. He's now moving to Bremen because they center it in Germany because that's you know the director you know. Um, but yeah, so like, this is the, this is that version, the pointy eared kind of ugly, scary looking version of Dracula. Like he's not the sexy man that he would later become in like Gary Oldman adaptations and stuff like that. Like, nope, this guy is gross with his big claws. Um, but yeah, just the, I think that some of the stuff that really hold up for this, the makeup is a little heavy handed. I think, uh, especially like the eyebrows and everything can be a little distracting, but man, the use of like atmosphere and the use of like shadow throughout this movie is just incredible. And some of the effects that they try to pull off just using like stop motion stuff is like it can be a little jarring, but it is just like cool to see them give it a shot, you know? Um, yeah. And everything they did, they they shot it well. So like even when it was stop motion, they they created a um, they were able to create that sense of like space or like um, scale. Right. So like when they did things like it wasn't because I think some of the carriage scenes were stop motion for sure. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Especially yeah. this, the parts where he's like piling the dirt and stuff yeah. onto the, like piling his like coffins right. of dirt up there and stuff like that. But yeah, there's like some scenes in this is hold up so well. Like when he's like sneaking into, uh, 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 the cutter house or the hutter house or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. whenever he's sneaking in there, like this, the shadow work is, is great. Oh, the and stairs. Yeah. 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 Um, and then like the scene on the boat when he's like sitting up, like that's a famous scene for a reason. That's just jarring the way he like uh, just stands up in his coffin. It's been done to death and a million times like referenced, but there's a reason why it's been referenced so many times. Um, yeah. So I, I know that um, if we're going to say like, Hey, yeah, this is a recommend or not. I can't see this movie clearly. It's I love it too much. So would you say that it holds up well enough to warrant a recommendation? Yeah, I, I, I do. You just need to find the right version. And you also have to, I would, I would watch this in pieces. So this is a lot slower. So they, they do a lot of, um, like they do a lot with music and they set the atmosphere where like, for example, the, the first night, that our um, protagonist shows up to the um, 
it's not a man the castle would be maybe the castle yeah yeah the castle um, so Dr- dracula's castle i don't know if we can call him dracula but it's he, he's called dracula that's what it's yeah. called <laughs> so he shows up to dracula's castle and um like the morning before there was like a really cool like morning scene where he gets up and it's playing like the birds are singing kind of song right there's a lot of flutes there's a lot of like um light music airy music you know he's stretching he opens the window there's like natural light and stuff when he gets to the when he gets to the castle it instantly starts changing right he meets with dracula it gets kind of awkward and then he kind of like faints right he kind of goes out but then the next morning he like gets up and it does that scene again where he's kind of like stretching and he kind of air quotes well rested but it, it, it's playing until he figures out what happened to him it's kind of playing like his normal morning music and i think um you have to really be invested in watching what's going on and listening so like i i don't think this is a good one to watch for your first time with like a bunch of people unless everyone's really into this stuff because i feel like if you have any like class clowns like myself included um they're probably going to crack jokes cuz it it the pace isn't as fast as some of these other ones that we've watched but for a good reason because it builds a lot of tension and especially like on the boat ride like the, the whole beginning sets up like what's going to happen on his way to to Bremen right Mm-hmm. So it, it it does a really good job at like pulling and pushing at like you're like am I scared am I oh is everything okay like it builds tension it releases it builds tension it releases which is which is a staple of pretty much any good horror movie and then by the time that they would build tension again and it would release he gets to the house across the street from from our you know I, I'm sorry I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, um, it's, uh, Thomas Hutter, right? Thank you. Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Thomas. Um, and then you're like, oh shit, like what's going to happen now? And then, it, and then it's just a constant build to the end. I, I think they did a great job at like the storyboarding on this and, f- and filmography the cinematography. And this is just second to none. Like there's stuff you're going to notice in here that you've seen from your favorite horror movies. And this was done, you know, what, a hundred years ago. So 101. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend it. I just would be careful with who you watch it with, I think, because if you had, like, a bad actor or someone that's <laughs> not into this stuff, I think they could ruin this for you pretty easily. Well, yeah, and I and that is kind of, like, the point, too, because there's a lot of those uh, scenes, like, it's almost idyllic to a fault. Like, when we meet, yeah. meet him and he's like, goes to, like, hug his wife and she's, like, playing with a kitten and, yeah. and it's like, oh, God, like, how, like... But that's the point like of it. It's like, yeah, it's like it's like uh, and like all of his actions are huge. It's like very inspired right. by this stage. Like he's like like when he stretches, he stretches as big as he can. He opens a window mm-hmm. like locals are talking about a werewolf. And it was just funny stuff. But like it, it, there's like this turning point uh, where all of these like pantomiming like moments of like uh, where it's like, oh, this is quaint or whatever. Uh, but whenever he is going into the um, the coach. And it's like very heavily implied that the guy who's like driving the coach is actually Dracula, that it's just like right. in disguise. Um, but when they move there, they actually f- uh, flip the the negatives on that so that like it because and it looks like um, everything is like white that was supposed to be black and black that was supposed right. to be white. And the idea is like that that's where he's like moving into this other world. But when he's at the castle, he's not scared at first. He's like, oh, I got some some mosquito bites on my neck like what's weird it's like ugh. 
it's not mosquito bites, buddy. You're getting dracula And then also, um, whenever the, uh, uh, what is it? He's like writing a letter to his wife and it just seems like he isn't grasping. Like he just thinks that this dude is just kind of a foreign weirdo. He doesn't think he's a, right. like an actual threat to like his life. Um, even though like the dude will say weird stuff, like what he sees a picture of his wife and then like Nosferatu's like, ah, oh, your wife has such a lovely throat. It's like, oh, that's a normal thing to say. But like, I mean, he's just does, like, <laughs> she does have a nice throat. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Dracula. <laughs> you really know, you really know how to spot a detail that definitely makes sense to comment on. But I yeah, this uh, guy. <laughs> uh, you, yeah. but yeah, I definitely agree with you. This one is like, is a lot slower of a build because it's really trying to like, juxtapose these two sides of like like here's his idyllic life in bremen and then when he gets back to bremen it's like what uh like huge funeral processions is like a plague is just like killing tons of people like talk about jarring change like shift in tone between those two things yeah it's it's so well done i they they did such a great job and if you're interested in, in Nosferatu, there is um, uh, Nosferatu the Vampire, the Werner Herzog uh, film uh, that came out in the 70s, I believe. Um, there's that remake with uh, Klaus Kinski, um, which is pretty good. I, I, I still prefer the original, but I don't mind that one too much. Uh, and then there's a sort of more of a meta adaptation called Shadow of the Vampire starring, uh, was it John Malkovich? Uh, is, is playing a fictionalized version of F.W. Murnau. <laughs> and the idea is that he's creating this film, Nosferatu, uh, where Nosferatu is being played by, um, uh, what is it? Um, crap, what's that guy's name? Uh, Willem Dafoe. That's who it is, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. He's playing like this. But then the idea of it is that uh, F.W. Murnau wanted to create a realistic movie so much that he actually hired a real vampire to like be in his movies the idea is that that version of count orlock is really him like he's a real right. vampire uh and then there's and that one was like i think 2000 is when that movie came out and like i said it's less of an adaptation of like the story than it is like a commentary on it um like there's a lot of scenes of just john malkovich giving these long like uh meta narrative sort of um uh like speeches about like filmmaking and everything so it's kind of weird. Like, there's a lot of weirdness to that one. Um, I love John Malkovich. So yeah, he, he's he's really good in that. Yeah, he's, it's so interesting. Um, and then finally, uh, you know, the last one is going to be uh, coming up. There's a Nosferatu adaptation that's being directed by uh, Robert Eggers, uh, the director of The Witch and The Lighthouse and The Northman. Uh, has a has a. We've been waiting for this for a while. Uh, this is going to be an adaptation that I think uh, the the titular vampire uh, and that will be played by um, the dude from it, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be playing, which is interesting because he has like a lot of physicality to his performances. And he's also like really tall. Isn't he like six, five, six, six or something like that in real life. Yeah. And he has the goofy eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be an awesome performance. Like can't wait to see that. So, so one thing you brought up, that's funny. Uh, Mick, our friend McMurray, friend of the show, who is the who coined McMurder of the movie. Well, we coined it, but it's it was his idea. Yeah. Um, he always talks about uh, the witch in the lighthouse, but he always says it like that: the witch in the lighthouse. So it's like the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. So for a while, I'm like looking for this witch in the lighthouse. I'm like, why isn't this like how cool of a movie <laughs> would this be? The witch in the lighthouse. That sounds fucking awesome. 
And uh, yeah, so you got to add the ones. commas there, friends. Uh, punctuation is important, even in spoken word. So, well, actually, that wasn't a serial list, so you don't actually need to have a comma. It would just be and. Just know that if you were seeing it like written out, you'd understand that there's two titles. You know, put in quotation marks or something. Can I can I ask you a question? Sure. Sure. So, uh, you've got a peanut butter. So let's do let's do a ham sandwich, peanut butter sandwich. And a horse shit sandwich, okay? So which so when you would say that's jelly peanut butter and horse shit sandwich, does that sound appealing to you? No. <laughs> so add the commas. <laughs> but the commas go like around like so like that one makes sense because that's three separate items. There's the one sandwich, comma, the next sandwich, comma, and the final sandwich. So you're telling me this witch has a lighthouse? No, but there's only two things. It's the witch <laughs> and the lighthouse. They're two things. Like that you only need like the conjunction there. You don't. Oh, have... oh, but but you said the third one though. That's why I said yes. That. That if you a... yes, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. Yes, if you yeah, include the yeah, third yeah. one, it would be the witch comma, the lighthouse comma, and the Northman. And there's gonna be yeah. some people out there who are like you don't actually need the comma before the and. Well, like, those are who I were talking to. Yeah, that's yeah. the Oxford comma, and I need that comma. I'm a yeah. staunch defender of that idea. We'll find you. <laughs> so, <laughs> but hey, I think. Um, I know we just kind of wanted to just do a quick check-in for the season. So if, if you're listening to this, it is Halloween. So happy Halloween. Please be safe. Enjoy trick-or-treating if that's what you're doing. Um, to all you crazy parents out there, there's no way that someone that does drugs will give your kids those because they're expensive. Um, <laughs> so, and this isn't uh, Night of the Demons, so there won't be any razor blades and any apples. So have fun enjoy yourselves but um yeah i think that's all i kind of wanted to get into today i I know we um i know you and i talked and we just wanted to do a quick like check-in and just do a bonus little halloween episode because it this is our favorite season so yeah yeah so yeah as long as nothing goes wrong this should be going out on halloween so this is your spooky halloween special you gotta do the whole thing the silent sunday spooktacular special Uh, I feel like such a hack that I keep saying things like this. Nah, I love it. It's so good. All right. Well, keep it spooky, friends. Yep. Yep. Spook them up. Spooky. Spooky. See ya. Bye.